following is a presentation of the Michigan Sports Network. Wednesdays on the Huge Radio Network are presented by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. You can follow everything about high school sports 24-7 at MHSAA.com, at MHSAA on Twitter, and MHSAA on Facebook. Wednesdays on the Huge Show are presented by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. Are you ready for huge opinions on the Lions, Tigers, Wings, Pistons, Michigan, MSU, and every sports team in the state of Michigan. It's time for the Huge Show. From the east side to the west side to the UP, the Huge Show is on air statewide on the Michigan Sports Network. Voice your huge opinions now at 1-866-838-HUGE. That's 1-866-838-4843. Now, the huge one, Bill Simonson. What's up, Michigan? It is time to get together on the only syndicated statewide afternoon sports radio show. 19 stations strong for the one close to you. Go to thehugeshow.net. Mark, you'll join me. And we'll talk about the Michigan High School Athletic Association's guidelines and rules pertaining to transgender athletes taking part in a female sport, those going and transitioning from male to female. I think the guidelines and the rules they have in place, if everybody nationally, not just at the high school level, I'm talking all sports entities, followed this, most of you would say it's fair. And I'm going to let Mark join us and talk about it. Also, I'll deliver my huge opinion on this transgender athlete debate. And it's political, It's emotional. And my simple answer is, if you're born a biological male, no matter if you want to transition and your family allows it or you do it as an adult, no one's going to discriminate against you if you want to go play on a boys team. And there are guidelines on when a man becomes as close to a woman as they can beyond being born a male. And those are some of the rules in place and guidelines with the Michigan High School Athletic Association. But to me, this talk of discrimination and exclusion, and I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. So just for the sake of a conversation on a statewide sports radio show, if you are going to be a senior in high school and you're a boy and you identify your gender as a girl and you want to play sports, Go play on the boys' team. I think the school could provide a neutral bathroom, which some schools already have put in place, where that student-athlete can change and they play on a boys' team and they're not being discriminated against and you're not violating Title IX. I find common sense to be such a simple path in so many of these political hot potato discussions. And I'm telling you, being around Mark Ewell and the Michigan High School Athletic Association through the pandemic, through so many different hot potato stories, their guide has been common sense and what the majority of their school districts want. That's it. No one's saying you can't play. If I had a daughter who was transitioning 
to a boy, and she was good enough to make the girls' soccer team more power to her. She's playing. She's getting an opportunity. Nobody's discriminating against anybody. Tell me why a male transitioning to a female can swim in the Ivy League against the women when there's a men's swimming team he could be on. I don't understand that. I really don't. You're not denying anybody. You're not excluding one darn person from anything. Well, they gender, you can have a female for a boss. You can have a male. They can be gay. They can be straight. They can be Catholic. They can be Mormon. They can be Jewish. It doesn't matter. They're your boss. I really don't get this debate. And it's politically charged when pro athletes, females are saying, oh, you can't deny somebody because of their gender identity a chance at sports. And I'm thinking, hey, uh, Sue Bird, do you want a male to say he's a female and go play in the WNBA? Hey, U.S. women's soccer, do you want a male to say he's a female and he's going to play on the U.S. national team? Which, by the way, six years ago, a U15. A U-15 club soccer team beat the U.S. women's national team in a scrimmage. There is a reason we have separation of biological males and females in sports. Yeah, a woman at 61 today, line up a woman close to my age. She could kick my ass in golf, bowling. Well, what other sport? Tennis, right? I could get just schooled in tennis. I'd look like Chris Farley. Playing tennis, I, I, but I, I'm fine with that. It's not the end of the world. But what you're seeing here are biological males dominating females in some high school sports in some states, collegiately with some teams, and even internationally. You saw the New Zealand rugby player just drill. A male transitioning to female. So I, I, I'm, I'm telling everybody out there, Megan Rapino and Sue Bird, do you want men to say, "Hey, I'm a woman and I want to play. I want to try out for the U.S. Women's National Soccer Team, or I want to try out for the WNBA." You can't deny me. Do you understand here? For for some reason, they're saying, "Well, high school sports." The girls aren't going to go, a small percentage move on. No, it's about equal competition. That's it. It is not about discrimination in any way, shape, or form. Are gay athletes excluded from playing at Michigan high schools? NCAA Division One, Two, Three, NAIA, JUCO, no. Are you denied based on your religion? No. Sexual discrimination, if you want to get into Title IX, if you're born a biological male, you are a male on your birth certificate. You want to transition, that's fine. Go play on the boys' teams. You're a female, and you want to transition to a male, and you think you're good enough to go try out for the boys' teams, go try out. I know some will say, well, wait a minute, you're saying a woman could do... well." Girls have wrestled before there was wrestling. Girls have 
played football in the state of Michigan because football wasn't offered to girls. I did have an argument a few years ago, Superfly, that volleyball wasn't offered to boys. So under Title IX, which says no discrimination, why couldn't boys go out for girls' volleyball? Why? A girl could be on the wrestling team until they had a girls' wrestling. A girl can be on the football team because the sport isn't offered. And I'm telling you why. Because the boys would take most of the spots from the young girls at Michigan high schools. That's why, and we all agree with that, there are no protests. So we'll bring Mark Ewell in, and I want him to explain the Michigan High School Athletic Association has the perfect, I'm talking nationally, any level, any sport, their system in place that's been there for a few years when it comes to transgender athletes and high school sports participation in the state of Michigan, to me is a blueprint for every sport to follow in the country. I don't care what level. It really is. And I do want your feedback. You can join in uh, throughout the broadcast, 1-866-838-4843. That's 1-866-838-HUGE. Add HUGE Show on Twitter, The HUGE Show on Facebook, and also opt in on the HUGE text chain. Text the word HUGE to 21000. We're going to spend a couple of segments with Mark Ewell, Executive Director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association. He's standing by here on the HUGE Show across Michigan. Welcome back, Mark. Good afternoon, Bill. All right. I know we touched on this, I think, a few months ago on air. And I and with the transgender athlete stories out there on a daily basis, without getting into politics, I wanted you to refresh for anybody who didn't hear it before uh, the guidelines slash rules, however you want to describe them, connected to the Michigan High School Athletic Association that are in place when it comes to transgender athletes in the state of Michigan? So we've had, a, so this topic, Bill, um, for every conversation I continue to have, it dwarfs the actual number of students um, who have fallen under the policy. We now are going on uh, nearly a decade of having a, a policy on transgender students. I can tell you that over the past decade, um, on average, we have less than one student a year that contacts our office uh, looking for clarification, guidance, and ultimately an eligibility um, determination. The way our policy works, and what's ironic, is last week the federal government put out um, some, pro- uh, essentially it's a proposal that would fall under uh, future Title IX guidance when it comes to transgender students, and essentially what that policy uh, and proposal said is that blanket um, denials of transgender students uh, participating in athletics would become illegal under federal law. But on the other side of the guidance, it also said that uh, individual decisions can be made uh, when it comes to transgender athletes based on age and competitiveness um, as well as safety and in the sport of choice. So um, essentially what came out last week and got a lot of news coverage um, simply affirmed what we've been doing now for a decade. The way that our policy works is that 
um, when there is a transgender student who wishes to participate, uh, if it is a trans, um, if it was a student who was um, female at birth, um, so birth gender being female, um, and that student is becomes a trans boy, uh, that student can participate because our current rules now allow any female athlete to participate in any uh, girl or boy sport. That why that's why we currently have students. Uh, females that currently play football, and if a school doesn't have a uh, girls' soccer team, they're able to play uh, boys' soccer, etc. So that that population really doesn't fall under our policy because those kids can compete. It's the students that were birth gender male and are now a trans girl student. Those kids who seek eligibility, we ask for information. We make a individual. Um, decision on each student. We ask the school, what do your school records indicate this student is? Um, If this student is a trans girl, um, what kind of hormone suppression therapy has gone on? Um, Has there been any gender reassignment surgery? A lot of those questions that a lot of the national governing bodies and, and back when this started, the NCAA would ask simply so we can have all the information regarding Um, The student situation and what it's allowed us to do is work with schools, work with families to really, I think, find a good balance between trying to find opportunities where we can, but yet also making sure that uh, we're making determinations based on safety and also based on um, competitive balance. And I'll I'll end where I started. Um, The policy's been in place uh, roughly a decade, and we have approved less than 10 students to participate over that decade. And uh, we have not gotten any pushback from any of our schools um, previously with the determinations that have been made. So last week's uh, news story really uh, reaffirmed what we've been doing now for nearly a decade. And when I read that story, that's what prompted me to reach out to you and revisit uh, this topic, because the way they read it uh, paralleled what you've been doing, you mentioned, for almost a decade. And I'm thinking, why why didn't the Ivy League do that uh, in regards to swimming? Why every pro sport, uh, anybody out there, follow the guidelines, which you've had in place for 10 years, which the government just echoed in regards to Title IX uh, following or adhering to those rules? That it seems to be a real simple process. Now, some will say, Mark, off of what you just said, and I, I before I even went to you, I, I brought up uh, when there's no boys volleyball offered, and this was back when the seasons changed uh, because of Title IX in that lawsuit, uh, which the Michigan High School Athletic Association was a part of. I said, well, you know, boys can't go play volleyball because boys would take every roster spot of the girls. And that's the reason competitive balance, why boys aren't allowed to play in sports not offered. Correct? That's correct. And, and I think what your listeners need to understand is, you know, Title IX is in place not to represent both genders equally. It's to represent the history and it's to protect opportunities for the historically underrepresented gender which obviously has been female athletes. And in that, you know, many times what you mentioned, some of the other states, Bill, and the Ivy League, 
you know, first of all, some states have different state laws, and, and they need to abide by those. In Michigan, we currently have no uh, specific law that deals with transgender students and their opportunities. So um, that's what's allowed us to create our own policy. That's what's allowed us to have our own policy. And, you know, I think the, the key part to our policy, which is different than, say, what the Ivy League did, is we want to know what that student story is. Um, how long has this individual been a, a, a trans, uh, transgender student? Is this a bona fide transgender student, or is this simply uh, someone who, who gets out of bed one day and says that they're going to now identify um, as a girl when their, their birth gender was that of a boy, and they're going to do so to try and dominate athletically? Well, under our policy, we could stand up and say, no, uh, we are not going to give this individual eligibility but yet what our policy has also been able to do is for these students um, who have been transgender for a number of years, have met um, the criteria, all their school records um, refer to them as is the transgender, then we're also able to make uh, decisions on, on the other side of that fence. So, um, again, we have the ability to say no when it's appropriate, and we also have the ability to, to say yes when it's appropriate. And, that's why we think we've really found the sweet spot of being able to take every one of these complicated situations. Again, it's been less, less than 10 over the years um, where we've been able to make what we believe is the, the right and fair decision for everybody involved. Common sense. Uh, it really is just common sense guidelines, Mark. And when you first brought it to my attention a couple months ago, I'm like, you know, this is a blueprint uh, for the rest of the country. It's fair. Uh, it, it it hinges on hormones, testosterone, uh, the competitive advantage, uh, those levels, uh, which all should be uh, looked at. And I am surprised that, um, you know, every state, every sports governing body uh, isn't doing this. Uh, what the state of Michigan is doing at the high school level. And then I saw the story last week from the government saying you can't blanket, which would be discrimination. Okay, I get that, right? I, I understand yep. that. It would be discrimination, but you're going to look at it case by case. And you mentioned in a decade, state of Michigan, 10 million uh, people. How many student athletes each year for about 180,000? 180,000, all the Michigan high schools. So that's 10 years, and I know students are there four years, but we'll just say 180,000 a year, and you've had one. So the question is, you know, the politics involved in this, uh, have uh, has the governor's office or anybody came to you in the last couple of months and said, we need to talk about your policy, or what are you doing uh, connected to transgendered athletes? We have not. Um, a bill was proposed. Uh, during the last legislative session, um, of which there was no conversation ahead of time. Um, a group of lawmakers put forth a, a, a bill that would have uh, limited uh, competition to the, the birth gender, and we simply felt that we did not need to engage in that conversation, that our policy was working, and that legislation ended up uh, not moving anywhere. So, no, we haven't had any recent conversations, and just like today, Bill, whenever we're, we're offered the opportunity to talk on this issue, we just emphasize what our policy is, that, that folks know uh, that it's there and what it does. And, and the other thing is, again, that it's been less than 10 students over the last decade that uh, we've even, you know, had a story that we've had to look into and consider 
and ultimately uh, make a decision on. So we, we feel like what we're doing right now uh, works for us. And like I said, it was only uh, confirmed and reaffirmed with what the federal government put out last week. And I will say from on the outside looking in uh, to what MHSA does for the member schools, for the student athletes, boys and girls, uh, people of all races, all uh, religious denominations, uh, everything is fair and equal treatment uh, in the state of Michigan when it comes uh, to high school sports. On that note, I know Title IX, the celebration, and the Michigan High School Athletic Association has been a part of it, Mark. I do want you to hang around uh, the impact of Title IX on high school sports uh, in the state of Michigan, where it's at now and moving forward. Uh, we'll spend a few minutes on that topic. I know you're a busy man, so stick around, Mark, okay? Will do. All right, Mark, you executive director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association. I know I've said it before to all of you. I watched this man deal with COVID and the politics and the pressures. I watched him on air, off air. I've never seen anybody, even the tone of his voice today, you hear fairness. You hear common sense. And some will say well, they've had one case in 10 years. Why is this a hot-button story? Because it went political. Michigan High School Athletic Association has never allowed it to go political because here are our rules or guidelines. But my Lord, with Twitter, Facebook, and everything out there right now, you would think there's a thousand transgender athletes ready to hit high schools. That's why we all need to step back and take a deep breath, because if we live by Twitter, we can die by Twitter. We'll talk about Title IX, its impact on female high school athletes in the state of Michigan. Mark Ewell, Executive Director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association, will join us. I do want your thoughts on boys, girls, transgender athletes, state of Michigan. It's our huge question of the day. Call me later, 1-866-838-4843. And also on the social networks, add HUGE Show on Twitter, The HUGE Show on Facebook. And you can opt in on the HUGE text chain. Text the word HUGE to 21000. From St. Joseph to Midland, this show is HUGE. Bigger than any box score, local sports are a victory for the entire community. Building up leaders, breaking down barriers, connecting generations, teaching integrity, blazing a trail, sparking our economy. That's why Meyer sponsors hundreds of local sports teams throughout the Midwest. From Little League to the Big Leagues, uniforms to stadiums, Meyer knows when we support the home team, we all win. Imagine this, winning big at Soaring Eagle. Spin the money wheel and win up to $100,000 cash. Every Saturday in April from 5 to 11 p.m., one winner each hour will spin for the win and take home up to hundred grand. Whirl in for $100,000 money wheel. Only at Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort. Your getaway. Reimagine. Visit SoaringEagleCasino.com for complete rules and details. Breaking Benjamin, live in concert in Grand Rapids, with special guests, Bush, and Another Day Dawns. See them live at Van Andel Arena, May 16th. Get tickets now at Ticketmaster.com.
more, visit BreakingBenjamin.com. Get tickets now. Huge here for the Michigan High School Athletic Association. You can stay up to date on the latest from Lansing 24-7 at MHSAA.com. At MHSAA on Twitter and MHSAA on Facebook. The latest news, press releases, and stories connected to every high school in the state of Michigan available for you 24-7 from the Michigan High School Athletic Association. Log on to MHSAA.com at MHSAA on Twitter and MHSAA on Facebook. And if you're looking for archive boys and girls, high school sports, MHSAA.TV. That's MHSAA.TV. 24-7, everything you need to know about high school sports in Michigan. Log on to MHSAA.com. You're listening to The Huge Show on the Michigan Sports Network. Michigan High School Athletic Association Executive Director Mark Ewell uh, joining us. Uh, we talked about the guidelines for transgender athletes and the rules that have been in place for 10 years. A common sense system for Michigan high schools and the student athletes. And last year you had the 50th anniversary of Title IX and the Michigan High School Athletic Association did a full year uh, saluting the advancement of high school sports in the state of Michigan on the ladies' side. Uh, how has it grown, Mark? Uh, when you talk about that decade that we just mentioned since you had the transgender athlete uh, rules and guidelines in place, uh, the growth of girls' participation in high school sports in the state of Michigan, how has that been over the last decade? Or maybe if you roll back to 1972 when Title IX first came into play. It, it's been incredible. Um, I had a really unique professional experience last year. I was part of uh, the governor's task force on women in sports. Um, it was actually chaired by our secretary of state, uh, Jocelyn Benson, uh, an incredibly diverse group of representatives uh, on that panel, one of which was Carol Hutchins. And Carol, of course, just retired uh, at the end of last season as the longtime softball coach at the University of Michigan while Carol played basketball um, at Michigan State in the late 70s, and uh, she played uh, women's basketball and softball at the same time, ironically, with Magic Johnson. And she was able to share some experiences, again, from still in the 70s of what her experience was like at a Big Ten school, what the women's teams were given, what the men's teams were given, and just, um, you know, the ongoing battle for more um, progress and equality and and so now when you fast forward over the 50 years of Title IX and, you know, what we pride ourselves on at the MHSAA is it's not just about opportunities for kids. Um, it's not just having the same basketball opportunities for girls that you have for boys. Even though it is incredibly personal and important to me that all of our dual gender sports, those sports where there's both boys and girls, that the seasons are the same length, the number of games are the same length, and our final venues for both are as equal as absolutely possible. You know, I'm proud of the fact that both 
girls and boys basketball finals are at the Breslin Center at Michigan State. I'm proud that our tennis finals, our swim finals, our golf finals are the same venues and courses uh, that we use for both the boys and the girls. Uh, girls soccer, they even get a little bit more of the benefit because girls soccer, we play those championships in mid-June on the best grass surface you could find at Michigan State University, while for boys soccer, which is the first Saturday in November, we have to use high school facilities with turf just based on the weather and field conditions. So it's not just the opportunities and kind of the nuts and bolts of the experiences that we provide, but we're just as passionate about finding leadership opportunities for women as well. We sponsor every other year the largest women in sports leadership conference anywhere in the country. And we try and we bring in over a thousand uh, female student athletes to the um, hotel in, in uh, the Lansing area. We meet for two days and we try and show young women that there are pathways, not just for participation, but leadership, whether it's in administration or whether it's in coaching or whether it's in officiating or whether it's in sports medicine. And so it's important that we not just meet the letter of what Title IX requires in terms of participation opportunities, but we really try and go above the spirit of Title IX that uh, we're not just meeting what the law requires, but we're trying to do everything we can to make sure that there are opportunities for young women, uh, not just as participants, but also as future leaders. And um, having been married to my wife, I will be married 27 years this summer. Every day I've known Marcy. She's been a high school basketball coach. We met she was just finishing up her college basketball career. Uh, I was coaching in college at Caledonia High School where she was student teaching and coaching girls basketball. So literally for the 29 years I've known my wife, she's been a high school coach every day that we've been together. And she's provided just incredible insight and feedback, um, which has really given me a unique perspective. And then, you know, our youngest kid's now a 16-year-old high school sophomore, and she's a three-sport athlete. And uh, it really even becomes uh, personal when you've got a couple family members that uh, probably love sports uh, or are involved in sports at a higher level than even I am. So uh, that's why it's so important to the MHSAA generally and also to me uh, as the director personally. Yeah, and being just a sports dad, uh, you've had sons and daughters uh, go through the high school ranks in the state of Michigan. I will say when... I had my daughter, Ava, that my viewpoint changed. And even today, I'll still challenge a school and say, wait a minute, you're sending the boys with a bus to and from and the girls have to get a ride home? No way. And I'll, and I ride them and I'll, I'll tell the school like, no, you got to make this fair and equal. You know, you have to boys get a deluxe football bus, but you're going to send the girls, uh, on, just a regular school bus. So it's being that sports dad, but also the fairness, the equality. And you mentioned Title IX, and when it came into play in 1972, it basically reads in a simple form, no person in the United States shall on the basis of sex be excluded from participation in, be denied the benefits of, or be subjected to discrimination under any education program or activity receiving federal financial assistance. And that's the key, receiving federal financial assistance, and also on the basis of sex. So that ties back in uh, to Title IX and also uh, the current 
transgender athlete debate that we see at multiple levels uh, across this country. Mark, I, I I knew when we never talked beforehand, I just said, hey, we're going to talk about this in the first segment, this in the next segment. Uh, I knew you would be straightforward, honest, and deliver a lot of stuff that a lot of people hadn't heard. And that's my entire goal when I bring you in studio, when we do have our conversations on the phone, uh, because you can really educate uh, the moms and dads, the high school sports fans, school administrators, and more who are listening all across Michigan. You set it up, Bill, and uh, no, it's always a great conversation. And no, we are as open and transparent as we can possibly be in what we think are all areas, but especially when questions and concerns come up with Title IX and, and you know, now this new kind of subset under Title IX of transgender. And, no, our, our policies and the way we handle it um, are out in the open. They are as transparent as transparent can be because I believe that uh, is always the best way to operate. All right, what's uh, the next sport that will be added for girls? Because then you'll need, you know, under Title IX, you'll need the next sport added for boys. I know we've talked about that a lot. Uh, the next sport for girls, uh, is it is it ice hockey? Is it, uh, you know, girls flag football? I know the seasons uh, bring a little bit more of a challenge in down south. Uh, what do you think will be the next sport added or what's on uh, the short list for Michigan high schools on the female side and also on the male side? So that's that's a really good question. And, you know, and I think in association work, uh, timing is truly everything. And, you know, as we were in the middle of the pandemic and, and really coming out of the pandemic, it was clear from our schools that we wanted to stabilize what we were currently sponsoring um, rather than adding anything new. And now as we are really getting into a, a post-pandemic world, it's time that we go back to that short list and we look at the sports, whether it be boys volleyball or whether it be girls uh, ice hockey. You know, water polo is something where we've had some conversations with um, you know, really trying to figure out uh, what's next, what's the, the new opportunities for kids, but yet also making sure that we can support and stabilize what our current sport offerings are. Um, you know, interest of kids today is different than what it was 10 years ago or even 20 years ago. And that's got to be something where that ultimate decision is really driven by our membership in making sure that, uh, you know, girls wrestling was was really uh, it's very straightforward to add. When we added it, you know, some said, well, you shouldn't have the same 14 weight classes with the boys because you've got far fewer girls. Well, I said, no, uh, not just under the letter of Title IX, but the spirit of Title IX. If the boys have 14 weight classes, we're going to have 14 different weight classes for girls because opportunities are going to be the same for boys and girls. And um, just going to shoot straight with you, Bill. The, the most challenging thing is certainly the most uh, popular emerging sport is boys volleyball and if boys volleyball is something that continues to move forward on um, something that that could be part of our program then the the question that we've got to get answered sooner rather than later is what then is that next opportunity for girls uh, to make sure that uh, that we're compliant with everything that title IX requires so I guess that'll be a reason bill for us to have the ongoing conversation on the weeks and months ahead because uh, that's a decision where, where we're just not close to having yet. Yeah, because I it, the boys' volleyball seems easy. You play it in the spring, the gyms are open. Uh, that that seems like an easy one, but it, it's adding the girls' uh, sport to match the equal opportunity in Title IX that, you know, girls' ice hockey, you know, uh, rink time is always 
tough still is. A lot of teams are practicing before school, like at 5.30, 6 in the morning. And uh, the flag football, I know we've discussed that multiple times in studio. Uh, when do you play that? Do you play it in the fall? Uh, do girls double up and play two sports uh, in the fall? Uh, you know, do you play girls football and use the fields and play it on Mondays and Tuesdays? Who knows? I mean, it's a, it's interesting. The list isn't, you know, for adding sports, yeah, volleyball, water polo you mentioned, there, it's not like a laundry list that's long with like 10 sports you could add tomorrow. No, that's that's really the the biggest challenge as you said the the boys volleyball i mean you've already got uh gyms you've already got the equipment in many cases you've already got a coaching network that's easy to plug into um you know we just haven't seen the girls over the last decade that we thought we'd see in girls ice hockey so that's why we're just uh you know we're going to listen to our board we're going to listen to our schools and really uh try and get this right not necessarily get it fast Mark, appreciate the conversation this hour on the huge show across Michigan. Safe travels, my friend. Thank you, Bill. Talk to you soon. All right, Mark Ewell, Executive Director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association, uh, joining us. Remember, you can follow everything Michigan High School Sports. And if you want to read their guidelines on transgender athletes, Title IX and more, you can go to MHSAA.com, at MHSAA on Twitter, MHSAA on Facebook. And if you want to watch live spring sports or on-demand winter and fall sports, they have an entire library, MHSAA.tv. Everything huge, 24-7 at thehugeshow.net. Huge back inside the leadership locker room with our good friend Greg Harris. He has a new book out called Sage Advice. You can find out more and order the book at MaximizeLeadership.com. And today, Greg, let's talk about opening season and what that means to individuals and businesses. Well, opening season is an exciting time in spring with baseball starting and your favorite teams putting on their uniforms. But in a sales analogy, more at-bats and better pitches is one of my most popular keynotes in sales and really the more at bats you want more opportunities and better pitches is you're actually getting a real chance and I, we talk about commoditization differentiation qualifications and value proposition in this keynote it has helped lots of sales organizations get more at bats and better pitches and yeah, leadership locker room opening season greg harris uh, his book is sage advice Go to MaximizeLeadership.com and find out more. That's MaximizeLeadership.com. The book is called Sage Advice. And you can call toll-free to get more information at 1-888-308-1600. You are very popular. Your texts want your attention. Your touchscreen wants your attention. Social media wants your attention. And that tuna sandwich you just dropped between the seats definitely wants your attention. All of them can wait because you're busy driving. The Michigan Association of Chiefs of Police reminds you that April is Distracted Driving Awareness Month. We want you and everyone around you to be safe. So tell your distractions to wait, especially that tuna sandwich. Roast Umber is a farm-direct coffee sourced from Central American farmers and roasted in Grand Rapids. And also the Nitro Cold Brew Coffee is a convenient and healthy option for energy with no sugar additives. Look for it at your local retailer or at RoastUmber.com. We might have just come out with our most refreshing Michelob Ultra Organic Seltzer yet. It's called the Essential Collection. It's made with coconut water and real fruit juice. So it's always going to have a real refreshing fruit taste. Can we? 
refreshing get any more refreshing? Yep, it can and it just did. Michelob Ultra Organic Seltzer. Made with coconut water and real fruit juice for a superior taste. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Enjoy responsibly. Anheuser-Busch Michelob Ultra Organic Seltzer. IRC Beer, St. Louis, Missouri. You're listening to The Huge Show on the Michigan Sports Network. We're back for our final segment, Hour 2, on this Wednesday broadcast being heard statewide on 19 fabulous radio stations. For the one close to you where you can hear The Huge Show weekdays at 3, go to thehugeshow.net. Final hour, John Vanderwall, former major leaguer, will join us. We'll talk about the Tigers and MLB stories that are trending. If you have a baseball comment on the Tigers... Or the big leagues, you can drop in on the Mercantile Bank listener line, 1-866-838-4843. That's 1-866-838-HUGE. Mercantile Bank with locations all across Michigan. They have local teams that make local decisions. And you can depend on and trust your local Mercantile Bank location. So Vanderwall, Tigers, MLB, like I said, uh, what are we looking at, 15 minutes or so? All right, so we got Major League Baseball happening. The Tigers are playing decent baseball right now. We also have the NBA playoffs. Got to love Draymond Green come playoff time. He gets after it. I do wonder if he'll end his career in Detroit. He actually could be the veteran that the Pistons need. I'll talk about that later, but I do want to talk about the DraftKings Sportsbook app, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. So with the NBA playoffs going on right now, new customers who download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code HUGE when they sign up can then just bet $5 on a pregame NBA playoff money line bet and score $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. So that's code HUGE when you sign up after downloading the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Plus, everyone uh, who is on the DraftKings Sportsbook app can score a no-sweat same-game parlay every day during the NBA playoffs. Open the DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt-in, and place a same-game parlay on any NBA playoff game. If it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus bet back up to $10. So like I said, just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code HUGE when you sign up and new customers then can make a $5 NBA playoff pregame Moneyline bet and score $150 in bonus bets if their team wins. That's only on the DraftKings Sportsbook app and only when you use code HUGE to sign up. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services Gambling Disorder Helpline at 1-800-270-7117. 21 and up in Michigan only. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Opt-in required. One bonus bet Issued based on amount of initial losing NBA bet. Eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash basketball terms. So use that code HUGE when you sign up after downloading the DraftKings Sportsbook app. And like I mentioned, think about this with the Pistons. It's not crazy. They need that veteran leadership. I think that's a big part of what's missing. And I believe they're going to get a coach who's been there that will give some stability, leadership. But on the court, in the locker room, on the team playing, 
if Draymond ended his career in his home state? I know a lot of people don't like it. Remember when Rasheed, no one liked Rasheed, but man, when he became a Piston, you loved Rasheed. Draymond would be the perfect veteran. And I think after this year, it, it depending on what Golden State does here the rest of the NBA playoffs, it could be a change of scenery for Draymond. Yeah, he'll he'll go off the edge when he punched pool to start the season, but he he's what the Pistons need. They need a leader. They need a guy with some swagger. They need a guy who's won a championship and knows what they need to do, and you got all that young talent around them. I don't think it's crazy to think about Draymond Green finishing his career with your Detroit Pistons. I just thought about that, I think it was last night, watching the NBA playoffs. Draymond as a Piston, I think it's a true game changer. 24-7, everything you need is at thehugeshow.net. Big. Bad. Huge.